this season, we cling to his presence. May the God of hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. For he has so much love for you. His greatest gift is himself. His present is his presence. All right, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is the season of celebration. Christmas is here. We're excited. I've got a present up here. I'll show you what that is in a second. Uh, welcome to Newport Mesa Church. Why don't we just give it up for anybody who is here for the very first time. We appreciate that you are celebrating Christmas with us. My name is Jordan and um, uh, I get to serve here as lead pastor. My wife and I have been here this August. Uh, will be our five-year anniversary. I also want to just say hello to anyone who happens to be tuning in to Facebook Live um, one of the ways that people hear about us, actually, is um, they see us on one of their friends' timelines, and that's because many of you share the messages, and we're grateful for that. Um, our hope is that you grow with Christ, that today would be a step forward in your relationship with Jesus. Really, that's our desire. And with that said, I'd like to in invite my two friends, Andre and Mike, up to the platform here. I'd like Mike to sit on this chair here, and I'd like Andre to sit on that chair right there. Now, my daughter is, uh, I just realized that imaginary play is a stage of development for people. So we're, now wait a second here, Andre, I really, I think you should sit in that chair. Andre is mad. We'll work this out later. Okay, Andre, it's okay. You're the soccer player, so you have strong quads. So just sit on that chair. Does everyone see the chair Andre is sitting on? Okay, yeah, see? Someone sees it, someone sees it. If it, if it's like, hook. if you see it, you can eat it. Okay. Um, all right. We are entering into <laughs> the Christmas season, celebrating Christmas. How are you guys doing? Okay. Okay, good. Um, last week was actually our first um, message in this series uh, for Christmas. We talked about hope and how specifically how, uh, how Jesus is the light of the world. And we talked about how the Magi came from really far away and they followed a great light. And they found a greater light, and uh, they found that greater light in Jesus. Jesus would later go on to say, I am the light of the world. And uh, that's part of how we have hope, is by seeing reality through the light of Jesus. How's everyone doing? Okay, Andre's doing good, Mike's doing good. This week we're talking about peace. Turn to your neighbor and say peace. Turn to your other neighbor and say shalom. Shalom is the Old Testament word for peace. And it doesn't just have the uh, meaning of lack of conflict. But I got to tell you, there's, I know that if you're in the world today and you're looking out at the world today, you're thinking, if Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to bring shalom, why is the world in such uh, a state of conflict? Have you ever honestly asked yourself that question? Every Christmas I ask myself that question. Andre, how are you doing? Okay. 
And <clears throat> I, I'm going to try to try to answer that question today. We're going to talk about shalom. But I, it, you know, you doing okay? I'm just thinking about my own home personally right now. I'm not talking about you know the. The, the wars that are happening out there, the politics that are happening, the security fears, the potential job losses. I'm just talking about my home. Uh, probably one of the greatest scenes of, of my life where I experienced chaos is bedtime. Actually, Thursday I was sharing with the, the MOPS women, the mothers of preschoolers, and I was talking about this, and my wife afterwards told me, Jordan, you're so dramatic. Just, you know, it's not like that every night. But I got to tell you, I'm just going to, just, just let me have a moment, okay? Every night, it's like World War III in our house when it comes to bedtime. Why? Because Harper does not want to go to sleep. And I have to like figure out ways to get her to go to sleep. And I was thinking about it this week. No wonder, like we're asking her to be alone. We're asking her to go into a dark place. And I think Pete's brought this up before. Um, being a toddler, you still experience FOMO, Right? Fear of missing out. So, I mean, like, no, no, duh, Jordan. She's not going to want to go to bed. Um, but every night we have to figure out new ways to go to bed. And I realize every child is different. I just take Judah up into his crib. I lay him down, and literally he is sleeping within seconds. So it's, 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 it could be related to Harper. I don't know. What does that look like for you? This Christmas season, apart from the world's conflicts, where do you have a lack of peace? Where do you experience chaos? Again, I believe that the world needs peace, but I also know from the definition of shalom that it's not just an absence of war, but it's God's presence in these situations. Jesus literally is called in Isaiah 9, 5-6, the Prince of Peace. In Judges chapter 6, God is given the title Jehovah Shalom by Gideon. And in each of these contexts, Oh my goodness, what? You guys switched. Okay, it's okay. Let's give up these guys. Big round of applause. They, Andre did what he could. I love this guy. He plays soccer. He does have strong legs. But how many of you know that you can't make peace in your own strength? You can't make peace in your own strength. I'm just going to tell you, there's nothing that you can do to make peace long-term if you're doing it in your own strength. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So back to Jesus. This is the Christmas season and we're celebrating the birth of Jesus and we're given this idea that somehow Jesus is going to bring peace or shalom, which means completeness or wholeness. And I just want to know, what does that look like? Uh, if you're trying to figure out what that means, the best way that I can kind of describe wholeness or completeness is, I talked about Legos last week, so I'll bring them up again. Um, how many of you remember the, the pirate ship? When I was a little kid, the pirate ship was one of the big Lego uh, sets that you could buy, okay? And, uh, and, and if you have ever owned Legos and even have an ounce of OCD in you, you know that it is a very difficult thing to lose one piece, do you know what I'm talking about? All the OCD people are like, yes, that's me. Like, you actually have anxiety thinking about putting together a set if it doesn't have all the pieces. Not all of you are OCD, I can tell you that right now. But for those of you who struggle with this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if a Lego set is missing one piece, it's 
incomplete. How many of you know that that's the kind of shalom that God wants to bring to the universe? He wants to bring a wholeness to the universe because the universe is incomplete. It is broken. It needs to be set back on its right path. And the only way that that can happen is if God does it because God is the Creator. He alone knows what's missing. I, don't even, I wouldn't even like try to figure out what exactly it is that the world needs because I have no clue. All I know is that it's broken. It's incomplete. And we need the wholeness and the completeness of God. The New Testament word is a reine. It just means quietness or rest. And it flows with this idea that God desires us to enter into His rest. That we would lean on and trust in Him for everything. And so, peace is not just the absence of conflict. In other words, if every nation in the world would stop warring with each other, we would still be incomplete and we would still be broken until God started restoring relationships and instead of just not fighting, we would be cooperating towards one common thing that God would be overseeing as King of everything. So it's God's presence in the chaos that begins us on the path of experiencing God's shalom. In fact, that's the idea I want you to be thinking about as we read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-25, through 25, that even though the world needs peace, it will never experience it in its own strength. We need God to enter into our chaos. Let's go ahead and read chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Matthew, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now before we get going, I want you to know this is a very, very important chapter in the Bible for two reasons. All three members of the Trinity are at work. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And two, the second most important doctrine in Christianity is the divinity and humanity of Jesus, which are both fully on display in this passage. And her husband, Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us. When, Jesus wo- when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's just bow our heads and ask God to speak. Lord, we just pray that you would communicate a deep truth to our hearts. Use your word to do that. And Father, we invite your spirit to illuminate, to bring light to the spiritual realities of our condition today. And Father, I pray that You would give us the ability to trust You and to obey Your voice in our life. Father, I pray that You would, despite all of our distractions, despite all of the things that we're thinking about this crazy, busy holiday season, despite the the chaos of whatever particular season of life that we're in, 
bring the peace that only you can bring, the peace that you describe in Philippians as a peace that passes all understanding. I pray, God, that you would fully reconcile us to you. Lord, as we develop and invest and God, just lean into our relationship. I just pray that we would experience that peace in our heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So God enters into our chaos. And we have two familiar characters in our story. Last week I had the three magi or the three wise men. This week, again, with my daughter's nativity scene, we have Mary and Joseph, okay? So we're going to be thinking about this passage through the lens of Mary and Joseph. God enters into the chaos of Mary and Joseph's life. We just read Matthew 1, 18 through 25, and I realize that most of us probably don't think about the perspective of at least Mary because it's impossible that God will ever have any of us do what she did. So she really truly has plays a very unique role in creation history. However, all of us can experience the shalom, the peace that comes from walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the birth of Jesus, the reason for our Christmas celebration this December is that God is beginning the process of restoring shalom to creation through Christ's birth. It is Jesus that will bring peace to the world. It happens through His virgin birth. It happens through our obedience. It happens through our lives as we trust in Him. The simple answer to the reason we still have so much conflict in the war is that there are so many people who have just not embraced Jesus. That is the cold, hard reality. Just think about this. If everyone on the face of the planet said, Jesus, you are Lord, I am going to live by your teachings, what would happen? They would start loving their neighbors. Can you imagine? <laughs> they would start praying for their enemies. Can you imagine what would happen? I mean, just think about it. If people actually gave their hearts to Christ and submitted their lives to Jesus and living out the gospel, the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, what would happen? Let me tell you what would happen. Seahawks fans and Rams fans would become friends. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not tonight, but tomorrow. We'll just ask God to forgive us of whatever it is that we think tonight during the game. It's crazy, like, if we actually believed that. And this is the moment where God comes down. The thing about Christmas that makes Christianity different from every religion in the world is that God comes down. You see, in Christianity, you can seek God, but God is also seeking you to the point of coming down, coming into our world, into our temptation, into our reality and that is what makes this passage so unique. It's one of the passages that uniquely describes Jesus' 100% divinity. It's one of the passages that uniquely describes Jesus' 100% divinity. And I'll tell you why the divinity part is so important. Because we can't create peace in our own strength. How long did Andre last before he started to get tired. I mean, he was given his all. He was trying. He was, you know, he's got those soccer quads. He's got some good gluteus maximus support back there. And it just eventually, in his humanity, he just was not able to keep up. 
And that is why we need God to enter into our chaos because it's only God who can bring peace to humanity. It has specifically to do with the name of Jesus and what that means. Because God would bring peace to humanity through what Jesus would die on the cross for, for the forgiveness of our sins. And the way I like to describe this, in any relationship, there's only one person that can forgive you for what you did to them. It's the person that you transgressed, right? This is just basic, common human knowledge. If you did something that really made your spouse upset, it would be wonderful if your children said, oh, it's okay, Mom. You know, it's okay. Dad will forgive you. But the reality is, it's not going to be okay until your wife forgives you. And that's how it has is with God like all of us have we veered from the path that God created us for in some way shape or form right and there's no condemnation for that we've all done it we're all here because in some way we've recognized that we want more of God in our life but we also recognize that there are the have been these areas of our lives that have not reflected God we've been selfish we've lied we cheated we've stolen we've we've lusted we've done all of these different things and God hasn't created us for that And yet we know that God desires us to be what He's created and He is willing and more than able to help us get there if we call out to Him. And the Bible calls that moment when we call out to Him, salvation. That's what the Bible calls it. That's why Jesus is called Prince of Peace. He doesn't come to the earth to politically conform everyone to everyone else. He comes to earth to bring forgiveness of sins. He comes to earth to bring the kingdom, a new way of thinking based on relationship with God, the law of our hearts and our relationship with God fully realized through His perfect life and His death on the cross and resurrection. This is how the Prince of Peace, Jehovah Shalom, brings peace to our lives. We can't do it our own way. So God enters our chaos as a human as a baby that's what jesus does and honestly it was a sacrifice not just for jesus to die on the cross it was a sacrifice for god to become flesh can you imagine what he left to give up so that he could face all of the stuff that we face each and every day and i love the story of this passage because as you think about the story through the perspective of mary or the perspective of joseph And even though that they play a very unique role in salvation history, I think we all have been in a place where God has asked us to trust Him. It's a tough place to be, especially when you don't understand why God is asking you to trust Him. Or you can't fully comprehend. I mean, could you imagine, we we know a lot more about Mary's response from the Luke passage, but the Matthew passage focuses on Joseph. And here he is, He's got a fiance, and it it is pretty clear Joseph is the type of Jewish man. He's upright. He wants to do the right thing. He, He wants to do things God's way. But then all of a sudden, his fiance is pregnant. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about like the kind of the awkward situation that he's in? Even in today's world, it would be awkward, but in that world, it was way more awkward. I mean, this is like the Facebook status update. Mary's pregnant. And sometimes people share too much, and I don't think Joseph would have done that based on his information. But what was he thinking in that moment? And it says in the text that Joseph considered these things. 
You see, I'm convinced that a lot of the peace that we, the lack of peace that we experience happens because we react emotionally to our circumstances without giving God time to come alongside of us and speak to our hearts in those moments. I don't know what things in life you've overcome, but I can tell you from my own life, some of the things that I've overcome have been things of my own doing in response to things that I didn't need to respond in that way with. And it's part of the way I know I need Jesus. I mean, it's part of the way that we all know we need Jesus. God's created us for Him, but we live our lives in such a way that doesn't always reflect that. And Joseph wants to do the right thing, but he's considering. He's paying attention to the details. He's open to what God would say to him. And right there in the midst of this crazy situation, Joseph's trying to do the right thing and Mary is pregnant and she's trying to follow God too the best that she can. It says that an angel shows up in Joseph's world and speaks to him. And he says this, he says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. I love this because it's almost like God is acknowledging that we have emotions in this life. And it's not wrong to have emotions, but to be in control of them. I, I, I would be afraid if I was in Joseph's situation uh, about people's response, about the stigma that would be attached to their relationship because of this, and all of the things that would happen if this were true of me. And yet, the angel addresses those fears very specifically. And then he says this, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is God's doing. I know that you didn't have any part of this, and, and that's part of the way that God is going to actually work out salvation for the world, because God needs to enter into our chaos, actually, for the deepest parts of your chaos to be made whole. And it's not just you, Joseph, but there's going to be a whole nation that gets the benefit of this child. And then most of us who are not Jewish today have also received the benefit and the blessing from Christ. Joseph's willingness to trust God and obey might just be one of the biggest overlooked moments of the nativity story. He's not the hero of the story, but wow, he, buckle, he does not buckle under pressure and he hangs tight. Which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, um, which means God saves, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. I wonder if in the areas of our life where we're really struggling this Christmas season, and the areas that are robbing us of peace. The, the, and, and for all of us, it could be, it, it, they're, they're, these, are, these are different areas for us. People struggle with different things. Maybe, maybe you just lost a job. Maybe there's uh, one of your kids is just not walking with the Lord. Maybe you're struggling to trust God with your finances. Maybe there's a relational issue. Maybe there's something going on in your neighborhood. There could be so many different areas of our life that we are struggling to trust God in. Maybe we need to pay attention to Joseph's willingness to hear God. But do we create the space in our life to hear Him? That's another question that we have to ask. Joseph was willing to consider these things. Have we created the rhythms in our life where we can hear God speak to us? And what is it 
that he sang. This last year, uh, these last, I don't know, three years I would say, have been uh, stretching years. I, I would say that. They've been years of stretching. I think having kids is, is definitely an opportunity to build patience. <laughs> it's an opportunity to uh, learn through your mistakes. Um, but there have been other things that have been happening in Taryn and I's life. A lot of our journey as a church has been uh, somewhat um, unexpected. I mean, different, different outcomes than necessarily I would have, would have uh, you know, been thinking about and expecting. Um, and, and I'm just being honest with you. Um, I don't want to say it's been a struggle to trust God, but <laughs> I'm learning that right now. <laughs> I'm learning what it means to trust God, even when I can't see everything. Last week's message was all about hope and man I'm just practicing right now just having that light in front of me so God's word can just give me enough for my day and my week and my month and and trusting that God will bring about whatever it is that he is doing but there's been one particular area in my life that um, I, I really feel like I, I, I had heard from the Lord and Tara and I um, man part of the reason why we had so much chaos was that we were, uh, and I, I don't want to make you feel like you have to make a decision based on what I felt like God was speaking to me. So I just want to be clear. Um, your job is to listen and obey to whatever it is that God's speaking to you, okay? Uh, but we had been praying about our schedule and just kind of really struggling, honestly. Our, our lives were really, um, it, it just felt, uh, out of tune, out of whack, like honestly, for like the last couple years. Um, and, you know, you get to a place where you just can't do it anymore. I mean, I don't know where, where that is for you, where that breaking point is for you, but God finally started to, um, it, where it started was when I was preaching uh, the series on Sabbath rest. I did that, I don't know, about a year and a half ago at the end of the summer. And I just, I don't know, I just felt like God was calling our family to a different place. A place, the circumstances are the same, but a different. I needed, I needed a different outcome, uh, and so we really started praying about Tara. She was a full-time nurse, just praying about her going from three days a week to two days a week, and so she works three. She would work three twelves, and not, and just praying about the possibility of her working uh, two shifts, and it was. It was just, you know, it was really, it was a challenge for us. It, not necessarily because we couldn't do it, but we just, you know, had certain ideas about, you know, different outcomes that we wanted to see. And, uh, but finally we just said, we just have to do what we feel like God is calling us to do. And the result has been a total transformation. <laughs> I'm telling you, in my family, it's been like in the last probably two or three months, our, our lives have been radically transformed by one shift a week being given up. And literally, it has been a priceless change for us and our family. And here's the reality. Um, when you're asking God to show you what to do in hopes that God will give you the peace that, honestly, He promises it, right? Doesn't Philippians promise you that? Don't be anxious about anything, 
But by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Did not Paul say that to the group in Philippi? Do we not believe this is God's word? Cannot God deliver on his word? So we finally said, okay, and I'm telling you, being willing to obey and trust God has made all the difference in, our, in this one little area. Now, ad infinitum, this is how God works. In every single area of our life, God says this, you can do things your way or you can do things my way. Doesn't he? I mean, in every single area of our life, in our relationships, in our finances, in, 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 in everything, God says you can do things your way or you can do things my way. And, and the reality is God gives us total freedom. I love what the angel doesn't say to Joseph. Joseph, your salvation is at risk. <laughs> you're, you're, you're not, if you don't get this right, but I love what Joseph is willing to do. He's willing to trust. And more than that, he's willing to put actions to his beliefs. And Joseph not only was able to experience salvation, but the whole Jewish people Anyone who would believe on Christ and anyone who would believe on Christ outside of the Jewish nation would eventually be able to find their rest in God through Jesus because God gave someone an invitation to follow Him. And there have been ripples of people who have benefited from the blessing. So you may not have grown up in a, in a righteous family, in a family that knows God, but you have the opportunity to trust God and obey now and your kids will get to experience the blessings that are going to come from that. Praise God, hallelujah. I don't have to be the person that my grandfather, who was the town drunk, I don't have to, I don't have to do that. I've told you some of the stories about the, the good parts of my family tree, but not that one. Because we don't like to tell people about the bad parts. But I have a great grandfather who was literally the town drunk. Christmas season, he was, he was so... He, such a horrible, depraved man that the town had literally, I didn't even tell the first story in the first service, but someone needs to hear this story. My grandfather was so neglected that the, the local tavern where my great-grandfather drank, they collected all their pennies to give him some gifts, and they gave it to the, the, his dad, and guess what his dad did? He went out and bought alcohol, and they found him in the gutter the next day. I mean, like literally, my grandfather grew up with that. And later in his life, my grandfather found Jesus. And because he found Jesus, he experienced the peace that only God can bring. And I am his grandson telling you that you don't have to live in the ways that you thought you had to live. Just because it's in your family, you can create a new pattern. If you're willing to trust and obey Jesus. He is the only pathway to peace. This is why Jesus came. He entered our chaos so that we could enter into his rest. But it's all about trust. And the proof of trust is obedience. I, I just, I'm thinking about all of these different areas that God has spoken to us in. And until we're willing to obey, why is it that we think that God owes us peace? Right? Like, this is, this is Joseph. He's considering these things. He's, he's trying to figure out what he should do. And honestly, he's trying to, he's trying to do the, a righteous thing, a good thing. And God says, don't be afraid. Just trust me and obey. And I love what he does. It says he wasn't afraid. He took Mary as his wife and he names him Jesus. We can do things God's way or we can do things our way. And again, it, it may not always be about salvation, but We'll experience way more blessings if we, if we do things His way. But if we are unwilling to be obedient, 
What are the blessings that we're forfeiting because of that? So here's the deal. I don't want you to be like Joseph. I want you to trust Jesus because what his name means. His, his name means salvation. God wants to bring you out of a, of, a, of a place of disobedience, out of that place of trying to do things in your own strength. He wants to bring peace to your life, but you've got to trust in Him. That's what faith is about. But for our journey, I, honestly, I think most of you are probably trusting God with salvation. You've asked God to forgive you of your sins, and now you're a follower of Jesus. This is the part that should encourage you today. Jesus isn't just someone who comes into our life once. He comes into our life to walk with us. The second name is a reference to a prophetic utterance about Christ, and it's one of the most powerful, uh, it's one of the most powerful discoveries that we can make as humans. Jesus' name is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. God doesn't want to just save us. He wants to be with us. And in our relationship, as Tara and I were really trying to figure out, God, what is it that you were trying to do? Guess what God did? He spoke. Guess what we did? We resisted. And went this back and forth, back and forth, and we're talking and having these conversations, and we knew what we needed to do. And there was like a, a full month where we were like, you know, we really need to do that. Yeah, I know. And, you know, it's just going back and forth. What, what, what has been that amount? What's, what, I, I'm looking at people I know who I'm, I'm, I'm resonating with because like you're thinking about an area of your life right now where you did the same thing and then you were willing to take that step of obedience and you did it and it's like, man, it just it unlocked something in your life because God really was speaking. Well, here's the cool part. God still speaks. He might show up to you as an angel, <laughs> right? That happens a lot in the Islamic world. God literally shows up in dreams and visions, and that's a possibility. I, I believe that that absolutely can happen. I've heard lots of stories and met people who have experienced that. Most often, God speaks through His Word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through that still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. He speaks through wise counsel. This is one of the benefits and just great things about a church with different generations you can you can you know what if you if there's an area of your life that's really chaotic and and really just out, you can feel like something's wrong here there's chaos there like go out to coffee with someone that you know knows Jesus and have a conversation about it maybe through the sorting out of some of those circumstances God would speak through wise counsel to you here's what I know God still speaks God still speaks and God, as Emmanuel, wants to come alongside of you, not just talk to you from heaven. He wants to live life with you. And he knows the, the pressure points of where it is that you're struggling. He gets it. He knows that by Tara giving up one day a week, that it would literally unlock a whole huge part of our schedule together and create something for our family that just was not as consistent as it needed to be. And God knows literally what that is. For you but trust is the critical factor and without trust there is no peace so what does that look like for us what does that look like for us what does that look like for you you know i i am not someone who would say emotions are evil i don't think emotions are bad i think emotions are clues so just if we were to take an inventory right now um, and i asked you the question where in your life do you have a lack of peace? Where in your life do you have a lack of peace? You just, you're unsettled. Uh, 
it feels chaotic. It just doesn't feel right. Do you know what I'm saying? Where is that for you? Is that in your family? Is that in a particular relationship? Is that at work, at, in your job situation? It could be a, a, a very specific circumstance. It could be a very specific relationship. It could be very specific, or it could be broadly speaking. Is it somehow connected to social media? Where is that for you? Where in your life do you feel anxiety? Where in your life do you feel fear? Where in your life do you feel maybe burnout? Where? in your life because that is not what God desires so what if those are just clues for us clues indications that we are struggling to trust in 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 terms of what that's connected to where is that for you what if God wants to build something directly related to that thing we're struggling with in our life so that we can have and out later. What does this look like? What does it look like to build trust in an area of our life where we're struggling with a negative emotion? I want to walk you through this because I think this is the pathway to peace. It all comes down to trusting God, but what does that actually mean? I want to actually flesh that out. I think the first step is identifying that area where we have or sense chaos or lack of peace. And I think the question that you have to ask again is just where are you being robbed of peace? Because all of us, somewhere in our life, are being robbed of peace. Unless you're someone who truly trusts God. And I, I don't say that lightly. I do believe there are some people that just never worry, they never struggle, they never fear, and I want to be around them all the time. Because <laughs> I want to learn from them. Number two, this is what I love. This is the hope of Emmanuel. Ask God. Some of you thought Jordan was going to say something super profound. That is profound. Ask God. Ask God. Ask God in that moment. Ask God in that circumstance. Ask God in that relationship. God, what is it that you want to do in this? I love what it says about Joseph. He considered these things. He didn't act rashly. He didn't act irresponsibly. He wanted to honor God, and he said, I'm going to back off. God, what are you doing? He considered these things. Have we created space in our life where we can hear God speak through some of the ways that we've talked about? And here is the most important part. If we're not obedient, there is no point in God speaking. And obedience doesn't always create a sense of peace. Let me explain what I mean. Have you ever had a situation in your life where there's chaos or lack of peace or anxiety or struggle about a very particular thing and you actually hear God tell you to do something, but you don't want to do it? I mean, just think about Joseph, right? Joseph, God entered into his chaos by introducing a new conflict, a pregnant fiance, and he has no answers. All right, what's he supposed to do? Like, yeah, God impregnated her, so that's crazy. It's it's still crazy. It's 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 crazy, but God did it. What do you do? What do you do when God asks you to do something and it feels? Crazy. It's actually a conflict for some of you. This this is what that looks like. You're in a work situation. And you know God wants you to have a conflict resolution conversation with your deskmate. But you know how it's going to go. 
but you just feel, you feel led. You've been, it's been heavy on you. You really want to talk about it, but it's like there's all this. Let me just tell you, if you don't do anything about it, if you sit there and you know what God wants you to do and you're unwilling to do it, you're just languishing. It's, like, it's called paralysis by analysis. You can think of all sorts of reasons not to, but if God has told you to do it, friend, just do it. What is that for you this next year? I want to broaden it out to beyond circumstances. Maybe there's a season of your life. Maybe there's something bigger that God wants you to do. Take that step of faith. What is that for you? You're not getting any younger. Like God desire. and, I, and I, listen, I'm saying this only applies when you know you've heard from God. You know God has spoken to you. So I'm not just saying go out and just randomly try things and do things. I'm saying be so tuned in to the Holy Spirit that you're willing to go out and take a step of faith and trust God. What is that for you? What is it for you? Ask God and then do it. Don't think about it, just do it. Because if you don't do it, it just creates more anxiety. And then finally, just rest. Rest. Irene means rest. That's what peace means in the Greek. That's what God wants to do. And Jesus doesn't want us just to rest one day a week because that would be, He wants us to find our rest in Him. So in the midst of the storm, we would recognize that Jesus' presence is with us helping us to become more like Him. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. And it's all connected to His names. Jesus, God saves, Emmanuel, God with, it, with us. Do something. Just think about one thing in your life that God has asked you to do this next week, this next month, this next year, and then do it. And let the results be what God would let them be. How many of you have ever heard the name Harry Colcord? Harry Colcord. Anyone? How many of you would ever remember the name, not Harry Colcord, but Charles Blondin? I have mentioned Charles Blondin before, so you all just failed. No, just kidding. Charles Blondin was a tightrope walker, and um, he was, in 1858, one of the first people to walk across the Niagara Falls. How many of you remember this story or you have heard this story somewhere? Charles Blondin did all sorts of crazy things on that tightrope, including backflipping, walking backwards, carrying a table and chairs and drinking tea right in the middle. But my favorite was he carried a stove to the middle of the tightrope. In 1858, he did this. And he cooked an egg on it. And then he ate it. It was obviously very unique. He was a very unique person. But the person that kind of caught my attention was his manager. You see, not many people, including insurance agencies, would... <laughs> would take this guy on, right? But his manager believed in him. To the point where in, he, he eventually ended up walking across the thing like hundreds of times and he would do different things to make it more interesting. And of course, every, the first time he did it, there was 25,000 people that, would, that came out. The President of the United States came out and watched. I mean, it was a, really, it was a big deal in society. But his manager caught my attention because in one in one episode, he asked his manager, Harry, 
to get on his back. Now, can you imagine this? I mean, I, I would come just to watch, but I would never. I mean, even if I was a guy's manager, I'd be like, yeah, right, we're, that's not happening. Just curious, is there any daredevils out there like you would actually? And, uh, and, and so he gets on his back and he walks across the length of the tightrope all the way across Niagara Falls with his manager, Harry Colcord, on his back. What I read about Harry was, that caught my attention was what, was what Charles told him before. And I'd like you to stand up because I want to say this to you today. Um, he said, look up, Harry. Um, look up. You are no longer cold cord, you are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. And that's, that's what Jesus has come to do. He's come to pull us so close to Him in listening to God and obedience that we would be able to cross the impossible because we're not relying on our own strength. And the sense of pressure relief that we will feel when God does what only He can do, which is forgiveness of sins, see our future, know what we need, all of the things a good shepherd does. All we get to do is experience the rewards and the fruit of that. And this is what God would say to us. Newport Mesa, look up. You are, you are no longer Newport Mesa Church. You are Jesus. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. We will never be Jesus. <laughs> but God's hope for the church is that we look so much like Him, that we would act like Him, that we would talk like Him, and it all happens through trust. Radical trust. What area is that for you? Maybe for you it's salvation. You've never trusted God with your life. And you need to commit your life to God. No one else can forgive you of your sins, but God can and God will and God desires to right now. Maybe that's a relationship for you. Maybe it's in the area of your finances. Maybe it's trusting God with your kids. Maybe it's an area of your past that God wants to heal, but you're having a hard time just releasing that to Him and letting Him. Whatever area that is for you, I'd like to just invite you to raise your hands, which is the universal sign of trust of surrender and just say this prayer with me god we admit that we need you we believe that jesus died on the cross to defeat sin sickness and even death in my life and to forgive me and it all started with his birth god you desire to bring peace into my life we commit our whole hearts to you and we commit our whole lives to you god we desire to follow you with all that we are Help us to become the people that you have called us to be. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for anyone specifically right now that is just struggling with depression or anxiety or depression, Lord, whatever it is, mental illness, God, we pray, Lord, that you would be able to reconnect the dots and bring healing and wholeness on this journey of life as we trust 
in you. God, use your church to do it. Use wise counsel to do it. Use your word to do it. Use prayer to do it. God, use physical exercise to do it. Use all of the things you're asking us to do in Jesus' name as we trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just worship you. Hey, this is Pete from Newport Mesa Church. We want to thank you for joining us today. Here at Newport Mesa Church, we're all about changed lives. If this message encouraged you, we'd love to hear about your story. So connect with us on our webpage or email us at info at newportmesa.org. If you'd like to support the ministry here, you can give through our website or our mobile app. Thanks again for tuning in and we hope to see you next week.